Welcome to Speak Sex. I am your host, Eve Eurydice. I am Greek from the island of Lesbos, where the lesbians come from. <laughs> I am the writer of uh, three books on female sexuality, F32, F32, The Second Coming, Satyricon. I have been the writer of the Sex Files column in Gear magazine, and I have written sex investigative pieces for Spin magazine for years. Um, and I am hosting this uh, podcast because I'm interested in ways to bring together the dichotomy between body and mind, between sex and spirit, between um, whatever we call the soul and whatever we call the libido, um, which has been cut open and separated for what, 2,000 years, maybe more, for sure, since the birth of Christ. <laughs> so, um, and to help women get, f- find back, you know, get away back into our genetic advantage, which is sex, because we are the generators of life. So, um, today's guest is uh, Tara Long. She is a multimedia artist and performer. She's also known as Poor Girl, Mr. Tara Long. She's the CEO of Poor Girl Enterprises and Lil Spady. Um, she's going to give a public talk about her work on Friday, February the 8th at Dorsch Gallery. She's also with She's also going to be curating uh, one of the stages at 7-7 Mall, Monday, February 4th, for the International Noise Conference. And she will be playing herself in a side project called Violetas at Churchill's, Wednesday, February 6th. Um, And she'll be performing before Pussy Riot, (laughs) Friday, February 15th, on the Sector 3 stage at Three Points Music Festival. So welcome to the podcast, Yay. poor girl. Thanks for having me, Eurydice. <laughs> um, I really felt that you were one of the ideal guests for this podcast because I know that your work deals with your sexual history, female history, um, and um, you're trying to kind of like transcend it through your art and through your noise making, music, um, and um, you have found different um, uh, languages that are new and cannot quite be described um, in in order to kind of speak this story um, of um, pain and uh, and objectification and abuse. So I would love to hear both your narrative and, and how it has formed you as a woman, as an artist, as a creative. Um, and um, I think it will have a lot to, to, to tell our listeners about the process you know, of finding a language that is honest and, and um, does justice to yeah. the body. Yeah, definitely. I think the honesty is the most important part right now. We all just got to be honest about how we really feel and our fears and our hopes and desires and dreams. Right. Um, Give up on the metaphors and the oxymorons. Yeah. Just call it like it is. Just call it like it is, Mm -hmm. you know. And I I joke around about how I, like, hate sex, you know, because uh, 
I just feel like for so many years, and I don't know if this is just nature or if it's conditioning, but uh, the, the female body has been objectified in ways that have like really uh, formed the world and the way we see everything. And it's, I, th I guess I get really frustrated about it and about how I feel that as women we're kind of you know we're expected to just like swallow it mm -hmm. um and i just can't swallow it you know and like i i want to get to the point where i can enjoy myself and having sex with whoever or whatever kind of sexual behavior you know i, I want to get to that point but i'm really not there i feel very uncomfortable i feel extremely uncomfortable with men or any sort of like um penetration yeah just i just don't trust men and mm -hmm. i i don't you know but it's weird because i'm also attracted to men and men folk <laughs> 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 um but yeah i just i'm trying to get to the place where i'm not i guess like afraid of them or afraid of uh w like letting go and just enjoying myself you know i i've obviously well not obviously but i've had a ton of sex <laughs> and sexual experiences <laughs> right. and sexual partners uh both like feminine and masculine partners and yeah i'm just at a point right now where i just can't feel comfortable with the male experience um an appendage, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, it's cool. It looks good. But when it comes down to it, I just, I, maybe it's a psychological thing more for me, too, than the physical thing. And I don't know how to separate the psychology behind the way I feel and just feeling good physically. Right. right. Yeah. Well, you just don't want to enter into the cliche mode. And basically, that's all we have. So it, it it's hard at that moment. It is. And... I think that's why maybe when it comes to my work, you know, I feel like the the female body is so exploited in uh, the commercial world, you know, of advertisement or entertainment. And a lot of what I do is a big time rejection of that exploitation right. by, you know, I was... Uh, classically trained in theater so I, I know how to perform on stage and eye contact and how to move and I basically do the exact opposite of all my training whenever I'm on stage I try to not look up I try to give my back to the audience I don't wear anything revealing you know I don't want to give them anything which some people are very confused by because they're like we're here to be entertained like entertain me and I'm, I guess I'm trying to offer something more like a frequency and a vibration exactly. and an energy that I'm trying to share <clears throat> that's real and honest, you know, and I'm trying to get people past this expectation of, you know, oh, woman on stage, she's going to sing beautifully and she's going to like show me a little skin and they're going to dance and it's like, no, <laughs> no, you have enough of that. I'm not here for that. I need to do something else and be true yeah. to myself. Yeah, and it takes guts. I, I mean, I've seen your shows and 
it it takes guts because um, you have to go against that instinct of pleasing the audience. You're yeah. up there, and it would be much easier not to deconstruct yourself. Exactly. But you are taking it apart piece by piece. Exactly. In um, front of everyone. In front of everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, your your friends are there supporting you. They get it. But then there are all these other people. You just can't quite know exactly how they respond to you. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't get it. And a lot of people are confused at the people that say they do get it. And they're just like, but why? I don't get it. Like, I don't Well, I can see how, especially because I remember I saw, I, I saw you perform during our puzzle and there were a lot of strangers and, you know, and outsiders, visitors in the crowd. And just from my own sense, my intuitive sense of how they were seeing you on stage, they felt you were aggressive. So people will take it personally. Yes, <laughs> that's true. It's definitely... Which is so absurd. It's funny, right? Yeah. Yes, it is funny. You're in an anonymous crowd <laughs> this is not about you this is not about you no you know she's not angry with you <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> not directly yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah there's definitely this balance of like um the anger and the pain um and i guess yeah that that kind of wavers back and forth between like how I personally feel and how I try to express it in my work. Um, and yeah. it's also about power dynamics, at least the, the work on stage very Big much. Time. Yeah. Big time power dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely a power in sex. Yes. And I, I try to actually remove it completely so that my power comes from another place because I think that a lot of women's power comes from sex like from them being objectified but that yeah. gives them power in a way you right know? pornographic sex exactly um and I ha there's nothing wrong with that I just think that I'm trying to form that powerful kind of energy without using my mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. sexually right your fuckability exactly i mean because it's like very frustrating when i look at you know the power dynamics in the world and the men that are in power you know and no offense guys but it's a bunch of like fat gross dudes that have all this power and <laughs> It's just interesting. My new thing is like holding men up to the same standards that they expect us to hold up for them. You know, this like type of body and this, you know, way of being. And I don't know. It's just it's interesting how it's so different. The power yeah. dynamic. Yeah. So no, trying it's, to balance it's devastating it. for me. Just looking around, you know, going out at night and being in a crowd and seeing all these, you know, old unattractive <laughs> and and unattractive not just physically because the physical is the least of it but spiritually psychically yeah. i mean you look in their gaze they are not present oh. at all and they have on their arms young babes younger and younger and, and when i say younger it's every year they're getting younger so the guy can be 60 the girl can be 22 21 um it's just you know, this whole sugar baby culture, industry, yeah, conventions, has um, 
both enabled and, and justified this behavior. So uh, especially younger girls feel that that's, this is the easiest way to make some money, just, you know. To support themselves, to survive, yeah. to sustain themselves. Yes, but it's not the easiest way. It's not. I don't think it's, and it almost sometimes feels like the only way, but it's not the it's only It's not way. the easiest way. Yeah. That's the important, I mean, for me, I feel that, you know, they don't understand in that moment because they're young, their brains are not even fully formed, <laughs> their bodies are not, you know, their sexual uh, energy is not fully formed. They hardly know how they come themselves. Right. Um, they haven't learned anything about this realm of, you know, sexual exchange, and yet they give themselves to these, you know, guys, buyers. Um, and I'm not saying in, in, a, in a, it's a transactional thing. Right. Um, but they, it's never just the body. It's never, you know, like brushing your teeth. It's never like walking down the street, you know. Sport sex isn't the same as sport because there's part of them, of, of who they are, that they also give away, that they also lose. You yes. Know? I think there are people that do have a grasp on that. Like there are... You know, I do believe in the sex worker being a powerful figure, someone that does understand that and un like knows that energy and knows how to use it and survive off of it. I think that is a skill, you know. Right, definitely. Um, but, but these are babies. But these are babies. And, and, and they're not sex workers. I they're mean, they not. Not at all. And I think that, you know, and you look at social media and how people are using it and exposing themselves um, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people that don't understand sex work are inadvertently becoming involved in it by posting themselves up in a certain way. And they're getting that same kind of um, that exchange is happening on it's one sided. You know, the men are getting off on these photos where these these are. I don't know. I, I don't want I don't like using men and women. We're in like this, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, transport we're out of non-binary, yeah. right? So, like, I excuse me when I say these things. I'm kind of traumatized. I think just by um, the male energy and what that is to me, and because of my experiences. Um, so, but yeah, I just think it's interesting right now. The social media is becoming very an interesting place for this dynamic. Um, and then I also wanted to say something about just I think there's like this weird shift happening right now where a lot of kind of more feminine peoples are are looking inward. Right. And we're trying to like unpack and unravel what is going on and our conditioning and why we've become this way. And I feel it a lot more with people that are connected with the with the feminine. Whereas the people that are disconnected from their feminine energy, they seem to just not be interested in kind of turning inward and looking at themselves and pulling this apart, you know? So there's something to that. Like, why are the femmes, like, doing all this work and the others are just kind of still floating by as if everything's... Just yeah, well, it's incumbent upon us right. to try and, you know, illuminate them. There's 
they're not going to because they have the upper hand. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm doing this podcast, precisely that, you know. I, it's my own way to find clarity and healing. Um, and, you know, the impetus was that partly because of me too, um, I had this realization that my mind has stayed male so that even though I always thought I was a feminist and a post-feminist and I never took, you know, I mean, I was very conscious of power, never gave away my power, I didn't take a man's name or hand or money or whatever, all that stuff. Right. Um, and the sex, I was very clear about my place in the sexual exchange. Um, I realized that I was, in a sense, objectifying my own body uh, and, you know, pimping my body uh, uh, for my pleasure. Yeah. I would watch my body in the mirror. I would kind of get off of what, you know, so so my mind that was in charge of the sexual experience was male all yes, along. Yes, And there was, it had no other way of being there, because there was no other alternative. Yes, exactly. So the I conditioning. Into it. Yeah. I totally understand what you're saying. And it's it's very interesting that it's it's gone that far that it's in us as women as well. Right. And women yeah. folk were like, you know, it's uh it's just wild. It's that powerful, you know? Like I'm extremely turned on by sexualized uh, female bodies, you know, yeah. feminine bodies, yeah. much more <laughs> than the male body, <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's, I think, conditioning, you yeah. know, and then there's this whole argument of nature and nurture and what's natural and this, you know, the testosterone versus the estrogen and like, you know, the, the, the femme is supposed to be nurturing and we don't want sex. We never want sex. We don't want sex. And like the male is like, oh, I must breed and I must screw. And it's like, I don't think that's really true. <laughs> I think, no, we always want sex. Yeah, I think everyone <laughs> wants sex. I think, you know, and people have come to me with statistics. Well, statistically, da, da, da. and it's like, well, statistically, I think women are terrified to be honest and they're not even being honest with themselves. You right. know, yeah. So how could you even get a statistic if there's no real way to actually get an answer for this question? Exactly. You know, that's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. The language is male. Um, the gaze is male. Yep. So if there is no space, if if there's no way to translate it, how are you going to get an honest answer? Right. They don't know what the question is. Right. And I don't want to, like, give all that power, but I just, you know, it's just what I feel, you know? And I think it's good that we are talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. we got to use what we have, you yeah. know? we got to use patriarchy's tools and make space for ourselves, because there's nothing else. There's nothing else y yeah. yet. yet. Uh, we're building it. Yeah. We're shaping it. Yeah. Carving away the bullshit. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of it. It's deep. It's wow. stinky. It's old. <laughs> it's so deep. <laughs> it's crusty. <laughs> oh, it's crusty in those corners. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your story. If um, you like personal? Your personal journey. Right, let's get personal. Um, you know, I have a very interesting story as far as kind of this... Mm, 
feminine masculine power dynamic. Uh, yeah, I do. I think I had a like a lot of us. I had a lack of uh, male energy in my family. There weren't very many men. The men were gone. Don't know who my dad is. Um, my the females, the women in my family, they um, they uh, went through a lot of mental anguish and ended up with a lot of mental illness and alcoholism and depression and bipolar, schizophrenic, uh, you know, just pretty much everything you could think of <laughs> that someone could experience mentally. Um, Do you think that some of it was because they felt rejected by the man? I think so. Oh. I think that, you know, I, so my mother uh, died when I was nine. She committed suicide. And so I only have, like, stories about her that I have no idea if they're even true or what's going on. It's a mm -hmm. big mystery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm starting to hear things like, oh, you know, your mom used to go to Georgia and pull her hair back and call herself Jimmy and pretend wow. she was a guy and, and you know, work on a, a ship, like, unloading boxes. And I was like, oh, cool, she was ahead of the game. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, she also had a bunch of, like, personalities that she would kind of write these different short stories in these different personalities. And, um, you know, from these stories, I gather that she was never able to find this unconditional love that she was searching for. She was also a stripper and a sex worker, you know? So there are stories that, oh, your father must have been a trick. That's literally, like, something that my family tells me in that exact wordage. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, which is fine. But, like, the you know, the story goes that she wanted she wanted to have a baby because she thought that that would you know, finally solve that issue of the unconditional love. Yeah. And so... She and it should have. And it should have, you know. And it's it's a really sad, kind of tragic story, but that's why I'm trying to be the person that breaks that karma and breaks that cycle, you know. And it's... God damn, is it a struggle, you know. Like, it is a challenge what I'm doing right now. I think that's another thing that, you know people might not understand when they see me and they see my work you know when you see it from the outside it might look raunchy or you know uh, aggressive and disturbing but I'm trying to break through something for myself for my ancestors and then also for human beings <laughs> yeah you know just like my little Your tribe step you know yeah um so yeah my mom she had me and then a year after that you know her depressed mother who was an alcoholic and on a lot of you know uh drugs more like pills i guess mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals yeah she um she ended up also committing suicide with me as a one-year-old baby and my mother in the house in another room I think that really set my mom off. You yeah. know, she was yeah. doing a lot better. She wasn't stripping. She right. wasn't on the... Yeah, but that's the ultimate betrayal. But that's, yeah. If your mother... Yes, exactly. So, you know, I think that set her off. We had a lot of uh, issues after that. I had a really weird childhood until I was like four. And then we got in a really big car accident. They took me away from her. And then a few years after that, she ended up... Uh, Oddly enough, jumping off a building in Hialeah, <laughs> um, 
which is just like, damn, like just kind of try to try to process this lineage, you know, and then here I am this weird orphan child, you know, that's always trying to make everybody else feel okay, because I know that they're like really worried, you know, and then so that's 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 my story you know that's the background yeah um and that's that's where i take off into the work that i do now Mm -hmm. trying to so who raised you after your mom left you um in the very beginning my great-grandmother who was just a powerhouse um took care of me but she was a little like out of it so i ended up with my great aunt my great-grandmother's daughter and my grandmother's sister and um that was cool for like a year and then her husband ended up um having an affair with a neighbor and so that drama yeah the drama um they obviously divorced or again not obviously but they divorced (laughs) and that my aunt just couldn't take it she just from there kind of uh depleted into this kind of like she's got some hoarder cat lady tendencies you know Mm. Um, and I watched that whole process kind of develop over many years and there was no stopping it you know I did my fair share of like housework and trying to like you know as a child I'm trying to like keep this thing from happening but it didn't work she went all the way Um, and I don't blame her the stuff my family went through is I mean, out of control and without yeah. some sort of help, guidance, therapy, uh, knowledge of, you know, okay, this is going to be something I'm going to have to really process and I don't have those processing skills and let me read a book about it or learn about it. Without that drive and understanding, there is no way someone is going to make it. You know, she's alive, but she's she's not living. You know, she is just a... Hiding. She's indoors, hiding yeah. and, and she's a slave to her you know, what I would call mental illness. Right. And, she, you know, I don't think she would ever put well, it that way. Well, that's what gives her safety. And that's what the gives her safety. The things that she holds on to. She holds on to everything and they protect her. Yeah, and it's the fear mm-hmm. and the worry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to fight against. I don't want to end up in that position of You're being not. terrified, you know? Yeah. So that's where I'm trying to overcome. You're a beautiful flower. You've come a Thank long you, way. Thank you, Eurydice. You are too. <laughs> You've been there for a f- quite a few Some of years it, yeah. yeah so yeah i think i'm doing all right you're doing great thank you <laughs> so okay so then i'm going back to the chronology go for it <laughs> um where did you move from the aunt's house um so from there you know it was so bad in there by the, my teens you know and in my teens is when all this stuff started coming out of course that didn't start coming out, any of that. I didn't even start processing any of this shit <laughs> until I was, you know, 13, 14. 14. yeah. Then it all started coming out. My aunt could not handle it. I couldn't handle being there. I used to run away. I used to steal her car. It was, like, really bad. Um, and then, so when I was 16, I had a, you know, 26-year-old boyfriend, and I moved out into his apartment. And from there, I got a job. I got another job. I had like three jobs. I dropped out of high school and I just started working and money became my freedom, my my way to free myself from my family, from my past. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, Um, but it's also at the same time the sex came in, 
you know, the all the men and the sex and the this whole thing of like am I doing this because I want to or am I doing this because he wants to do it and or he because he's supporting me right mm -hmm. and but I always I always always supported myself and oddly enough always got myself into a position where I was supporting these these guys boyfriends yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, good you know? for you <laughs> and like that was wild you know but I developed this weird you know and now I'm trying to deal with this now I'm processing this situation of like I've developed this pattern of and I guess it's like maybe I'm trying to save my family by like saving these boys um however I can which I am currently on strike <laughs> <laughs> no more of that for me right now um but yeah for many many years I went in and out of relationships monogamous straight cis relationships with men um that really it was just the same thing over and over again and like literally they would last the same amount of time like two years <laughs> two years done. Two, like an expiration date my family started making fun of me at some point. so i still think it's healthy i mean it's not truly healthy but it's a first step toward health you know you turn it around you are the one paying the bills so you know you got yourself like a boy toy and <laughs> you're learning intimacy, but at least, you know, you're appending the stereotype. Yes. So uh, I think that's a good way to start going about it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. You're learning care. And you're then learning now, trust and care. And now I'm on to this. But not without being controlled. Without, without being the controlled. money, they can't control you. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's the first step, I think, for women to learn, for women folk of all kind. You right. know, that's the first kind of practical method. There is no other. You know, we gotta divorce ourselves from that financial dependency on the male. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. You know, and then we have to take care of ourselves first, which is really a very Yeah. Interesting challenge. It's hard, yeah. Because it's so much e easier to, you know, go on a date. Mm, yeah. <laughs> have a quickie yeah and not think about feel good you know right like have sex yeah have an orgasm oh it feels so nice yeah give someone like you get all these endorphins right. and everything is good again right mm -hmm. yeah i'm trying to unpack that you know what is it about sex that i like because for me a lot of it was I liked pleasing someone else. Mm. I liked making someone else feel good, you know? Mm. And in there, I would feel good here and there. The validation, yeah. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I mean, I've maybe had in my whole life like four orgasms that I didn't do for myself. Wow. <laughs> you know? Like, the, you know? Wow. So that's, I mean, that's that's real. That's, that's pretty real. real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's something I'm working on. <laughs> Yeah, that's great to yeah. know. Yeah. That's great to know that. You know? Yeah. Uh, I envy those who can so easily come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, f <laughs> in my opinion, I mean, I am one of those. But, and, <laughs> and some of it is like genetic. You right, know, right. Born this way. Yeah. Um, with this facility, you know. Um, it's like some people are good at, certain sport or so it, right. it is a physical a natural ability yeah yes. a natural um 
capacity that you're born with from day one. And I feel that as you know, as far back as I can remember, I was able to like you know, touch the clit and come. Oh. Um, so, but finding um, the the appropriate l- you know language to get the right partner is extremely difficult because there is really no way to get out of the stereotype. You know, you're either going to be the top and you're going to find the bottom or, you, you know, it's all so messed up. And and it's okay if you're ha- going to have, uh, you know, just sex a few times. But the moment you enter a relationship, then all of these roles that, you know, patriarchy has set up mm. for so long, and they are the only roles we know. Mm. It's like... They come into play. And so who are you going to be and who am I going to be? And we can't make that up from scratch. Right. And, and all of them, uh, in the end, you know, control the, the female. Mm. Ultimately, they're going to try to control the female. It doesn't matter if you are the dominatrix or, you know, and you're wearing the, the thigh-high <laughs> stiletto boots and you're you holding whip. the crop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter, uh, you know, they will control, you know. So um, that's what I found in my experience, that outside the sexual space, you know, everything else was about the control of the female. Yes. So um, we are, you know, being aware of it, the consciousness of, of it, and the consciousness of how we go about changing it, which is really through words. There is no other way. You know, we have to find language. a new language. Yes. Right. Yes. And find ways to negotiate with our lover, you know, about a sexual scene that's new. Yes, definitely. And say, this is what I like. And and speak up each step of the way. No, not that way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We, and I mean, the first challenge is really, really finding what it is you like without that inner male gaze or inner male desire, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's where I find, I find it challenging and I tend tend to revert, you know, into abstinence because I just, you know, I'll I'll have an experience and then I'll I'll hate myself after. And it's easier to just not do it at all. And that's why I say, that I just hate sex right now, and I don't want to hate sex. I want to no, be able not. to feel good, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I want to know that it's me feeling good, exactly, because of what I want to, yeah, know, what I want. Well, I think abstinence is a good reset button. Yeah. You know, just short period of abstinence, press reset. You know, work that whole that process or from str- from scratch. You exactly. Know? And then you see things more clearly instead of just repeating exactly. compulsively. Compulsive know. right behavior. Because if you don't reset, you just are in that mode where you're not aware, you're not, not conscious. Exactly. And you just, you know, think the next time will be perfect. Right. <laughs> Whereas like 20 of these <laughs> have not worked. Exactly. <laughs> it's insanity. Yeah. It's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Mm-hmm. But it's good to also, you know, understand your own archetypes, you know, what turns you on, what makes you feel familiar, um, you know, because we all need that narrative to to exist, you know, to, to be a self. We need a story to, yeah. to put around us. So, you know, again, during the research time, 
you work on the narrative, you know, you can rearrange your story a little. Yes, and try to detach, you know, I went to this like 10 day silent meditation, you know, oh. and I I learned that we 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 attach ourselves to so much, you know, and then other people attach things to us and then we Definitely. reattach because they think we're attached, you know, and then the stories that we repeat over and over of our lives and our back, you know, which we do need that information and it does help us. But at the same time, it, we can really hold ourselves back when we can't let go. You know, my aunt, whenever she does something shitty, she's like, well, my dad used to beat me when I was a kid, you know, and it's like. <laughs> I mean, fuck i mean that sucks but like geez that was 50 years ago you wow. know and it's like you gotta detach from that and wow. stop blaming that for you being a total bitch right now you know but people this is really hard this is extremely challenging you have to really want to do this and dig and dig and dig and it's painful and it's painful it's mm -hmm. like a you know, and they, they use the metaphor in that meditation that it's like a it's like a surgery, like a, a really long, painful, drawn out surgery. And people get to the first cut and they're like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we're not even in there. We're not even taking that tumor out. We just like cut you open like a little right. bit. So it's uh to actually Go down in there, dig that shit up, pull it out, sew it up, mm -hmm. put the cream on it for months. And, you know, like that's something that uh, not everyone is willing to do and not everyone sees that that's the, you know, how we're going to overcome, you know, because yeah. it's painful. And they're yeah. like, oh, this hurts. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. oh, this is not I don't like it. You know, so I think that's. Yeah. But you have to learn what hurts you and what formed that original pain. Exactly. And why your brain assumed that that was hurtful. Yes. Early on. Um, and, um, you know, it, you can reprogram your own way of understanding information. Um, you can retrain your neural pathways to respond differently. Because basically our, our brain is just trying to protect us all the time um, so sometimes it registers you know enemy or unwanted because it's simply unfamiliar or because there is some you know very old childhood association or whatever so yeah silence is unfamiliar yes and languages are narcotic so without that you know language is in entertainment and it's a way to kind of like woo us into submission. Yeah. So without it, you know, the brain is going to act up. Yes, but it definitely What does. is this? A week of not talking? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it is like a wild animal that you finally get in a cage. It does wow. not calm down for days. And then even then, you know, but... But I really recommend it. I mean, the no, I hear it. I hear you. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and I think that some people went through it without really having the true experience. I think I don't know what they were doing. I mean, I'm sure they had some kind of experience, but mm -hmm. I just feel like people didn't. They took it in a weird, shallow way. I don't know how to explain it. They didn't really get out of it maybe what they could have. But I was there for it. And a lot of other people were there for it. And it just, 
I don't know how to explain it. You really, you really get to kind of objectively look at your mind and how it functions and how it how it functions to destroy you. Exactly. You know, and unless you get a handle on that beast mm-hmm. and tame it mm-hmm. and master it, it will drag you through this life and it will des- it will destroy you and everything around you. Yeah. You know, and I'm being kind of dramatic about that, but it's true. No, I think it's true. It's what we call the monkey mind in oh. the yogic tradition. Yes. You, know, you cannot listen to it. You cannot believe what you think. I mean, that's that, that you know, cliche. And the mind takes its information from such old, you know, um, experience that um, could be your first six months. Yep. When you're, for example, you know, the original suicide, your yes. mind can still be holding on to those definitions of pain and you know uh, feeling good and definitely they don't serve you but unless you're aware of it and you do the reset and try to open up new space yes um you know you're stuck with it right? yeah and and that's also you know I, I think another problem with with sex is that we pro we think we process it through our minds and one of the best ways to free our sexuality is to just take the mind out of it. Yes. And, um, you know, try to just be present as, you know, body and, and spirit, but not the mental stuff. Exactly. Um, I mean, for, for me, I, I like to describe the orgasm, which for women lasts much longer, is the only time where we can be truly free of the self, you know, of the boundaries and bondage of the self as other people know us, as, as this construct, you know, that, that we're burdened with. Yes. But we don't have an alternative, you know. We're, we're kind of like stuck with this as a way to translate ourselves quickly yes. to everybody. But I feel that during orgasm, there is that freedom, that extraordinary you know reunion with the bigger spirit or cosmos or yes whatever you want to call it um and however briefly you don't remember who you are you know you're not you it's wonderful (laughs) right it's feeling yeah because that you is that whole patriarchal construct Mm -hmm. with all those pains and memories and traumas and scars on upon scars and fears and uh, doubts and insecurities yeah self defenses <laughs> yeah yeah oh like fortress yes yeah so it's nice to let go of that burden yeah life and orgasm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only Perpetu- <laughs> perpetual orgasm yeah. yeah hell yeah i'm trying to we're trying to transcend to that you know wow yeah 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 i did try many years ago to make a perpetual orgasm machine <laughs> <laughs> i really worked for like a year <laughs> where is that <laughs> <laughs> my storage oh wow we, we, we should pull that <laughs> out it didn't work <laughs> But yeah, we should keep working yeah, on it. Yeah, we should maybe <laughs> circle back. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Didn't quite work. Yeah. Um, so in your work, I, I know that you also do spiritual practice and um, wise woman work. 
So do you find that that's one of the paths to reclaim a healthy sexuality? Totally. Healthy gender? Yes, totally, totally. There's definitely... Through ritual? Through ritual, um, through this, like, um, belief in energy and how it affects us and how we can radiate it or be depleted of it or uh, renew it. Um, you know, uh, the, I think the more you can understand yourself as being like an energetic being, you know, and then the world having all this energy and magnetism and uh, the rituals are to help you uh, focus the energy and build the energy and protect the energy and use the energy for your benefit and for the benefit of everything for the greater good you know some people use it for the for bad things you know but like yes I think that that is a big um step or something that can be a tool you know this these practices can definitely uh, break you out of cycles and out of patterns and replace shitty habits with something much more beneficial and productive and mm-hmm. you know the growth that I've had it's funny too because you know I used to live behind your house and it really <laughs> it was in that space that I I kind of started my personal practice and energy work nice. uh, yeah I was actually speaking of abstinence I was definitely not having sex for a good year being there and in that time I was you know I was trying to come out of something something that was dark a cocoon yes a cocoon exactly it functioned as a cocoon for me and um, I, I I went into a lot uh, of research you know I, I, I studied tarot and the occult and I I did baths of different, you know, cleansing waters and, um, yeah, I don't know, it's like trending right now and the crystals and and all this, but there's, underneath the trend is something very real. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and very useful. I agree. And it's kind of uh, frustrating that the trend is turning people off. You know, like the trending part of it is kind of like, ah. Well, that's how the system copes everything. Exactly. It it starts as the real thing and then it becomes trendy and then it's used for advertising. Yeah. And then all the supermodels are pushing it on us. Right. And then we're going like, eek. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be in a coven if (laughs) it's that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't want the Lancome coven. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lancome. (laughs) Crystal witch vibes. Yeah. But that's how they do it. It is. And I feel that the thing about magic and natural religion is that A, brings us closer to our nature, which nature empowers us. Yes. Because we give birth. Yes. Um, but also it's something that comes to us as practice from before Christianity. Yes. So it's from, you know, it predates this extreme, um, you know, spiritual control. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, the law was male before and women didn't have rights, but religion was very still, you know, very female-based. Um, and the women, the women gods... Um, were 
much more helpful than the male gods who were busy, like, you know, uh, sleeping around. Or right, whatever. for sure. <laughs> yeah, arguing. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the mother, the mother worship, the worship of energy, even when it turned into polytheic religions, like the Greeks or the Romans or the Hindus, it still was mostly mother-based. Mm-hmm. And when in need, it was, you know, the woman, the female divine that you uh, b- that we looked to yes um but now with this like uh, the trinity male trinity thing or i yeah. don't know if the bird is <laughs> i think the bird is phallic <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what gender the holy spirit <laughs> but <laughs> right yeah yeah um but that you know that's what we need to try to get away from as we access our spirit and our faith and our um you know kind of intangibles yeah our connection mm-hmm. to each other and to the where we live uh right yeah it's a lot i i also find in like researching and do and reading a lot of like um information about this kind of stuff it it is also a very male centric it's like you know written by men and the women shouldn't read and the women shouldn't learn and they're there to serve mm-hmm. you like the bible is full of this weird i guess it's like the you know what's the old testament i guess mostly it's very you know uh it's uh, just there's something really weird about how it uh how it talks about women in our role i guess and it's also in the occult it's everything is like male driven um, but at the same time, you're right. There's a ton of like the goddess worship and the mother and the birth of the universe, and mm-hmm. so yeah, there's there's a, a balance to be found, or just I mean, maybe it's just tipping the scales right now because we it's not even a balance we need anymore. It's like a full blown shift. Oh yeah, <laughs> we need to somehow fuck shit up. Yeah, <laughs> fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the patriarchy. Oh. But it's, you know, it's hard to know how to push the whole thing down. I don't even care about the consequences. It would just be nice to push, push it, down. it down. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they're in charge of everything. I mean, they're in charge of finances. They're in charge of law, inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have a baby. It takes the name of the father or the husband or, yeah. You know, oh, it's just so ingrained Embedded. into everything. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah, I do. I do think that money is at the heart of it. Because if we didn't need money, it would be much easier if we could live in this world of the earth, mm. um, but still be part of it. Not, not as um, you know, loners, outsiders out there in the middle of nowhere, like you know, living off the farm, but being a vital part of this, of mm. of a busy you know, vibrant urban center without needing to go shopping at the supermarket and, you know, dress and look a certain way and pay the rent and pay the taxes and all that stuff. We would have done it. Um, It's just almost impossible to monetize in the system without taking on the whole construct, the whole worldview, the whole concept. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the ways is to change that you know one of our ways would be to try to find to you know money sources 
that they're not within the patriarchy. Yeah. That's the goal. Right Tricky. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. We're always scheming out here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are scheming. We're out here. like female hustlers. Yes, folk. we are. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is exactly yeah. what it's come to yeah. be. You know? Yeah. And uh-huh. And I think being a creative is about that. It's like creating a new way of making money that that makes sense. Exactly. That, new right. structures, new support systems. Right. You know? I definitely 100% agree with that. Yeah, that's what I feel too. It's not about writing another book or, you know, writing a TV series. It's about that, you know, creating like social role models, you know, new ways of being in, you know, outside the system, but still in it. Yes, still able to use it. Right, to use it, to communicate and to participate fully. Yes, that is the challenge, Yuri. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to do it. Yes, we're doing it. Yeah. We're doing it. We're doing it. Okay. Yeah. Well, with this <laughs> cheer, <laughs> um, we're going to conclude the episode with Tara Long. Go see her. Listen to her. Watch her. She's amazing. And I'll talk to you next Friday. Bye. Bye.